Hi, this is Brooke DeVard from Naked Beauty. Are you tired of feeling housebound? I sure am. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. It's a high-performance auto curler that's rechargeable and gives you up to 60 minutes of cord-free runtime. Just think of all of the incredible hair looks you can create in 60 minutes, unbound, away from your wall. Don't get tied down by cords. Love your look. Live unbound. Check it out at conair.com and search unbound. Hello, and welcome to the Way Up North podcast. This is the podcast series where we get to know the people behind the biggest names in wedding photography and wedding cinematography. My name is Jenny Hamar, a Stockholm-based photographer who will host this round of conversations. I hope that you'll keep listening today and get to know Tim Twinham of Velair. Tim is such a true artist, and his background in music and how he incorporates his past into the work he does is inspiring. He's humble and clever and super interesting. So enjoy. This is Tim from Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> good to see you. Oh, there see. we go. I can see myself. Now. You can hear me good and everything. I can hear you. I can hear you perfectly. Can you hear me okay? I do indeed. Okay, does this improve things if I talk like this? Um, I don't think that improved anything. Yeah, I don't think. I, honestly, I've been work, I've been using this microphone that Cole sent me, and I I don't think it's even working. <laughs> like, I probably should have installed it or something. Nah. Anyways, <laughs> I don't recognize you from the photo since it well no? because it's like a profile. Let's see. Oh no, oh, I don't have go. very yeah. good photos of me. Yeah, no, there I it is. I'm okay, a... there you are. It is you. It's the hat. I have a. You have to have the hat on. Yeah, the hat on. Do you yeah, always nah. wear a hat like that? You know, it it is. Yeah, I don't have a lot of hair, but it's not out of like uh, insecurity about not having hair. I just always wear hats. I guess I it's like, like hats. A, it's like a trucker hat, right? Or what do you call that? It's. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what you call it. What does it say? Uh, Topo Designs. Oh yeah, it's a clothing company in Colorado where I live. Okay, so you're in Colorado now. I actually yep. was not sure just that you're... Yeah, yep. I'm just outside of Denver, Colorado. Okay, cool. Is that where you're yeah. from? It is, yeah. I grew up uh, about 45 minutes north of here, and then after high school, I moved around a little bit. But when I got married about six years ago, we moved back here to Colorado. Okay. So what happened between... How old are you, by the way? I just turned 30. You did? Yeah, <laughs> <Like>, massively <laughs> depressing. <laughs> okay, why is that depressing? Congratulate or like happy belated birthday, by the way. Oh, th oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a, a birthday person. I don't really care about birthdays, but thirty felt a, a little weird. Yeah, it's not it's not twenty anymore. I guess I have to start acting like an adult. Apparently, so they say. That's what they say. And when did when was your birthday? Well, it was April, so I say just. It feels like it was just, but I guess it's been yeah, okay. oh, quite a while. <laughs> you're on the 30th year, at least. Yeah, yep. Well, at least you're not turning 40 like I am in a few days. <laughs> oh, well, happy birthday in a few days. Thanks. I feel a little bit the same. Like, hmm. Actually, I'm getting there. I'm kind of getting... A little bit more excited but it does feel like it's like a looming I don't know those like decade birthdays yeah feel yeah. like wow that first number changes and you're just like 
makes you feel old. So what what did you learn in your thirties? What was your biggest takeaway in your thirties? Thirties were huge for me. I mean, like, and I guess that's why I feel like it's not even that depressing. I, I learned so much. I like seriously about myself, about my family, about, um, like really big stuff that I was Hmm. not even, did not even know was happening when I was 30 years old. I had no idea I was going to be, this hmm. much smarter and cooler when I was turning forty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's hope for me in there's ten years. Smarter and cooler. Yeah, it's true. I um I actually do feel like I have got a lot of insight into my thirties. Cool. Yeah. And actually, does. most people I know would say the same thing. Like this is kind of when you when you hit your like okay, I totally kind of know who I am. This is a cool, hmm. a good age. So. Yeah. Okay. Fear not. <laughs> okay, I'll take I'll take that hope with me into the next years. Yeah, because what are you gonna say when you're like, I feel so old, and then someone's like, Yeah, thanks, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that pun. Anyways, you're very punctual, which is I appreciate that. Oh that yeah, was... sorry it took a while to line up. No, no, not at all. I just I'm kind of an administrative mess myself, so I feel like you were. It just worked really well. Okay. So tell me about Tim. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who well, is Tim? <laughs> and talking the third person. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim's a pretty cool dude. Uh, <laughs> no, what do you want to know? Yeah, like how did you... It seems like you haven't always been into wedding films. So Mm-mm. does that mean you have like a, a life before wedding industry? Yeah, I wonder if there's a life after wedding industry. There, <laughs> nope. There was a life before, but I'm curious <laughs> if there's one after. Um, yeah, I was a, a full-time musician. Um, I played music since I was 10 and always had sort of the, the rock star dream. Really? And when I was 20 years old, um, I got my first professional gig. I had always played in bands with friends and just small stuff, but I got my first professional gig and moved to Nashville, Tennessee, which is kind of a huge music hub yeah. in States. And so, yeah, started living that dream and it was wild and fun and a, a good time. And it was kind of what I had always wanted to do. And after about four and a half, almost five years of doing that, just kind of came to the realization that it wasn't what I wanted to do the rest of my life. Okay. Uh, and I love, I still love playing music, but as far as it being how I pay my bills, um, I think part of it had something to do with getting married and just sort of like trying to have a longer outlook ahead of me on my career path. And I always took photos just for fun. And I kind of had, I was a hobbyist in video in high school. I used to make snowboard videos with my buddies in Colorado and, uh, but I, I never owned my own equipment, and okay. so I probably was – oh, shoot, this must have been – I was like 23 or 24, and I bought an uh, old Canon Rebel camera mm-hmm. and just started playing with it. for Actually, for music reasons, I was trying to take some photos for, for a music gig that I had. And anyways, I, just, I flipped the video mode on, and I started taking video, and I just never flipped it back to photos. I just fell in love with the craft of, of making films. I think there's so many parallels between making films and making music. Um, they're very, very similar crafts. And so the mind kind of already was existing in that space. 
Um, so what kind what kind of parallels? Like for instance, what are you thinking? Yeah, about? I mean, man, you know, you see a movie, you see a film, and the credits are very long. There's a lot of people involved. So there's a lot of different aspects of, of making a film, um, a little bit different in, in weddings because you kind of wear all those hats. But my happiest place, I would say the part of the process that I most enjoy is, is editing, is post-production. Um, yeah. And as a musician, I was a drummer. And I think that video editing and drumming are so similar. It's, it's about timing and dynamics and yeah. when, to, when to speed up, when to slow down. Um not necessarily just cutting on a beat, like having the rhythm, but just sort of like feeling it, like feeling when it speeds up and slows down. Um, my favorite, some of my favorite filmmakers um, are musicians. You know, it never surprises me when I, I fall in love with someone else's wedding film or some type of film and then learn that whoever had a big part in making that is also a musician. Cause I think that there's just, yeah, there's so many similarities between those two crafts. I can't, I could so, tell. I'd, I buy that. I, I mean, kind of making it fluid as a as a total amateur in the in the video department. I would totally agree with you that that's the hardest part is making it kind of flow and like keep mm. some sort of rhythm, but still stay stay exciting and you know make it yeah like interesting. And my my favorite music is like I think even when it comes to storytelling. Um, I'm not so much about the facts as I am about the emotion, about the feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the same way with music I like. Like, I'm not really a big, like, lyrics person. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't open it and, like, really read the lyrics. It's more about the the feeling I'm getting, the emotion from a song. Yeah. Uh, which played out early in a wedding career that I would pick songs for my films that had nothing to do with love or anything. But it was the emotion in the, in the music that really inspired me to make the film instead of picking some canned, you know, song that's about love and has a ukulele or something really corny. Um, it was a, all about the feeling. So I, I'm always like seeking that same feeling when I'm listening or playing music that I am when I'm crafting a film, you know, it's more in the gut and just sort of like a, a response of, of my personality and less about facts, you know, and storytelling. So like, <laughs> like does so. it jibe with, what I'm telling at this point in the movies or in the film, I guess you would call it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I love, um, I think there's just so many parallels to, you know, music I like um, equals a whole, like equals one. I always sort of explained it. Like I, I really like bands, you know, if there's four people in the band, they're each like should be playing like 25%. So to equal like one. So there's always that balance. So music I don't like are, you know, just if there's, even people who are really amazing musicians, but they're overplay. And so you yeah. get this, you, you bleed over a whole, over one, there's too much. And I've, I'm constantly trying to find that balance in, in film, whether it's like music and imagery, like that balance. If, if the music's sort of chaotic, maybe you slow down your edits or if uh, the music's really slow, maybe it's opportunity to speed up your edits and kind of always like seeking that balance between the two. That's interesting. I, I've always looked at that balance as like contrast. Like I've always thought of mm. it as like, you know, um, if in an image, basically, if something is light, add darkness, make make that. But that's I like your analogy there of making mm. it like complete rather than, you know, contrasting yeah. each other. And sometimes there's lots of opportunity to parallel, you know, when 
when picking a song or something for a film, if, if the music, like letting music dictate the edit, if it speeds up, sometimes it's okay to speed up. And I think that's the coming back to the music thing. When you play music, you know, it's knowing, it's knowing that, okay, now is the time for all of us to speed up because here's the emotion that's happening. Or, you know, now's the time for this person to really slow down so this person can speed up. And it's kind of, you know, something that I'm just someone who studied music. I didn't actually study music, you know, it was kind of, I was just self-taught and just played in my basement a ton as a kid, um, just by myself with headphones on and kind of same with filmmaking, just sort of self-taught. So I'm sure someone much smarter than me could explain like on paper with music, there's probably some name for that theory, but for me, it's more just, yeah, chasing an emotion, I guess. Yeah. So you've never really tried to be like, what do I do? How do I, you know, like break it down? You just like go with your gut. (laughs) Sounds like. Yeah. Which is a challenge now that I've gotten a little bit into education on on wedding films, being able to to communicate what I do. Because early on, I was like, I don't know. I just do it. It just is what I feel. (laughs) But to be, to be able to communicate that to someone, um, teaches me a lot about myself and it it take it. I I have to pause and and sort of like really think to communicate why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because when someone's like, okay, and if your gut is not telling you what to do, then what? You're like, well, um, change profession. (laughs) Yeah, right. Totally. Yeah. That must be hard. Sometimes there's no formula. You just kind of go with what you're... Yeah, and I think it's the artist thing that sometimes you're not, if you're not getting that, people start paying you and you start being a professional and someone pays you to make a wedding film and just not feeling it in your gut, but you have to deliver. And so that's constantly a challenge that I'm up against as well. Yeah. Well, you had written in, in the <clears throat> the little bio that I read um, on the Way Up North um, website, something about um, like, um, let me see if I can get the quote. Um, felt true meaning and emotion, even if it meant going against the tide of the wedding industry and the status quo for wedding cinematography. Um, oh, here. Uh, doing wedding films to take large risks of potential failure. And it mm. made me wonder, like, have you ever have you ever felt like, ooh, that totally bombed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, multiple times, you know, but I guess it's perspective on like, did it bomb? Because like, from my perspective, or from a client's perspective, because there have been times where I'm just so unhappy. I I have a hard time watching my films when I'm done with them, because I'm my own worst critic. And, you know, sometimes I will think something's the worst. But, you know, I feel a little bit with wedding films in particular, because that's what I know, I can speak to that, that it's kind of creative softball, like, um, I, I have a wedding video that my brother-in-law shot and it's horrible by all like technical standards. And he gave it to me as a gift, my, me and my wife for a Christmas gift. And he made us watch it in front of him. And I was a, a little worried that I wasn't going to like it. Um, and I bawled my eyes out. And I think that there's something to be said, like it's, it's pretty easy to manipulate someone's emotions, especially with something that's such a, um, emotionally intense day like a wedding and then you add music to it and it's it's kind of easy so even if i can technically just really fail and and hate a film most likely if i've treated their memories with respect like they're gonna like it um so what would be an example of you like failing with a film what does that look like um 
man, failing with a film. Like you're, you're like, oh my God, I happen to put like a Disney soundtrack on this and it didn't work. I mean, like, what? Um, I guess, you know, yeah. there's at all different phases of the creative process are different like levels of failure. I've had so many times where gear failure for one, um, you like, it's really important for me to record audio. And when an audio recorder fails, I don't really have a story to tell when I don't have that content. And weddings are, are it's documentary filmmaking. And so it's not like you can redo it. Like, hold on, let's do this ceremony again. So you have to be on top of it. So yeah, plenty of times. I remember my first elopement I ever shot. And I thought it, it was a big wedding planner. It was her elopement. Like she was getting married. And I thought this is it. This is like, I'm going to do her What I'd only done one or two films at that time, but really only had one public. And, you know, I was just really pumped. Like, I'm going to do this amazing. She's going to love it. She's going to sell me to all her clients. This is my like entry into shooting bigger, better, higher budget weddings. And to make a long story short, everything failed. A camera froze in the middle of the ceremony. The audio recorder didn't work. Um, everything went wrong. And they, they were eloping, so the whole point of having a film was to kind of take it back home and have a big party and show their family and friends. So that was rough, and I managed the following day to get them to, like, re-record their vows so I had something to um, to kind of piece together. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, my, like, stomach's hurting just even, like, remembering how I felt when oh, that happened. The anguish. Um, yeah, you know, because it's, it's like it's such an important thing that we're doing. And, you know, I think even, you know, photographers, we've all had some sense of, you know, card failure or losing camera or sort of stolen camera equipment on a wedding day or something. And just that feeling is just horrible, but it just kind of teaches you the next time how to, how to manage that and how, how to have backups of backups of backups. So, uh, the um, total, yeah, the, the, the what's it called hard drive failure where you're just like come on come on show up on the yeah. desktop and you're like where are you That's it. so what yeah. just a quick question about that wedding planner then did she realize that everything had gone wrong or were you able to piece stuff together enough that it it just seemed like you weren't at the top of your game yeah so it was just a really awkward situation because yeah, i was new i was so green at that point and i'm sure she knew it because i was hardly charging anything and she's a really well-established planner and so um she knew she knew when i sent her my pricing she's like oh this guy's new um and i i had to stay in a house with them so i couldn't escape all i wanted to do was i wanted to run away and scream and and just like bury my head in the sand but i had to sleep in the house that they were staying at and she was going to make us all breakfast the next morning before we left so I didn't sleep at all that night. And the next morning I ended up asking her, you know, kind of like just shaking. My hands were just shaking and telling her like, listen, the audio recorder failed. I was wondering if I could get you guys just to re-record your vows into this audio recorder. And she was so kind about it. She was really gracious and generous, which was good. And so yeah, I pieced together a little film and um, it, that film booked me other films and, and yeah, it, it wasn't a, a total failure, I guess, but yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> your failure. Well, because it did lead to other things, but yeah, no, I get it. I yeah. mean, it's, it's hard to look through your old, through old stuff because you're just like, oh my god, yeah. I, I've, <laughs> I've moved on. <laughs> I've had some failures too, as as I've tried to grow my brand and define like who my client is, because for a long time my client was me. 
um, because I picked the music that I wanted and I clearly stated that in my contracts. Like um, if you're hiring, you know, Valair and you're hiring Tim, you're hiring me to, to do what I do, to be an artist, to pick the music, to see your day the way I see it. And um, I, I had, you know, the first few years, a hundred percent success rate. Every film was just like hitting it out of the park and, I got inquiries from people who had the same music taste as me and loved the same bands that I loved. And my client was always me. And as I went through that journey of, of raising my prices and realizing how many hours I put into these films, there definitely was a, a turning point where my client didn't, wasn't me anymore. Right. And that was a really hard thing to navigate. Like, do I keep my prices lower and keep making films for me yeah. <laughs> or do I put my prices higher and, make films that aren't for me anymore. Um, and I, I mean, I still, I feel like I'm still navigating that every day. And there was a, a particular time, a particular film where I was in the middle of a rebrand and kind of adjusting my, my vision and my message and who I was as a, as a wedding film brand. And there was a client um, that had a large budget. It was like my biggest budget at the time. And so I thought, okay, this is someone who can afford to pay me, um, appropriately for my time but they loved my work they mentioned films on my website we love this we love this and so I really thought okay, here's the perfect client they have pockets you know deep enough to help pay because there's a lot of hours that go into these wedding films but they get the art and creativity I can still be me and get a paycheck perfect and client. she hated her film she hated it and it was the only time that's ever happened and it was such a learning experience to go through that and to go through like, wow, okay, maybe sometimes people who are hiring me at this level are, you know, they're not me anymore. And so how do I, how do I balance that? Um, so in that case, since you're doing film, you could always re-edit it, do a total re-edit. It could look completely different, right? It's not like with still stills that you're kind of like, well, what you, what you have is to work with is what you have. Yeah, definitely. And what they particularly hated was the music and my music choice and asked me if I could change the music. And that, I mean, that's starting at square one. If you change the music, you're changing the whole, the whole edit. You kind of have to start over and it's hours and hours of work. So it kind of clearly states in my contract that there'll be uh, a charge for editing revisions. And anyways, I went through that journey with them and I really wanted to make them happy. I'm a people pleaser. I don't like when people are unhappy with me. And so I probably worked way more than I should on that, but I made, you know, I, I, I just told her to pick some music and I made a film to it and she let me keep the original that I cut that I was very proud of on my site for my own marketing. And then she had hers with her really horrible music and um, I wouldn't do that every time, but, but I don't get people complaining like that all the time. Yeah. Um, but you made her happy. I mean, she, at the end, in the end, she loved it. In the end, she loved it and I hated it. <laughs> oh, that's uh, hard. Yeah, that's rough. But, but yeah, it was, that was just, a, that was just a balance in it. It taught me so much like, okay, if this is a real business, you know, not everyone who's going to hire me is, is me. Right. And so. I bet a lot of people have, gone through that journey that you're talking about because that's how most people probably get into it is that you're kind of at that age and people around you are you know getting married and mm -hmm. like you said it's it's a bit of a like you're like going up the rungs of a ladder sort of yeah and I would never I would never pay what I charge for a wedding film you know and I think I'm in a place now where my, my cost is more than my wife and I spent on our whole wedding 
So, yeah. you know, it was, it was kind of, am I going to make a career out of this and support my family or just keep making art that I really love? So I still, you know, it's, it's so important for me emotionally to have a few weddings on the calendar throughout the year that are just purely for art's sake. You know, maybe it's, there's not even a budget involved to just get me to your wedding. And I know that it's the right, I click with the couple and, we've met Skype or something. And I know that I can put a lot of creative energy into it. And I think without those weddings, and those are the ones that end up on my website and end up, you know, in my reel and my portfolio yeah. are the ones. Um, yeah. It's different for me. I think being a, a wedding filmmaker, I don't need the quantity of work that I think photographers do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not good at social media and I, I've just learned to like, I don't get a lot of business from social media. Yeah. Um, I get business from relationships. And so, um, you know, where a photographer might need to keep uh, a social media feed going with new fresh work. If I can really focus on really just nailing it and having, you know, four, maybe five really fresh wedding films in the year that I really love. And, yeah. and then maybe another 10, maybe 15 if it's a busy year that are, still proud of but are more you know they say one you know one for the real one for the meal you know i I need to make sure i have a few for the real throughout the year as as well as ones for the meal (laughs) (laughs) for the meal i like that that's nice but um but yeah i sometimes less is more you know in terms of like hey you go to someone's website even in normal like, you know, still photography, I feel like sometimes if there's just too much going on, you're like, okay, you know, sometimes like 10 powerful images will say more than 10,000, you know, really good images. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably a way to just be kind of a strong in your brand too. And just once you kind of get that buzz going and word of mouth and that starts to spread, you don't need the quantity as much. And I, I wanted to be a brand that was uh, quality over quantity, it, just practically too. I mean, I'll put forty to fifty hours of post production in, into a single wedding film, and so it's wow. just impossible to take on. Yeah. It, you know, between travel and trying to have a work life balance, it was just impossible to take on as many as I did the first few years. Yeah. And continue that level of of engagement in the creative process that that is what I think people were hiring me for it's what they felt when they saw those early films was a lot of attention to detail yeah um even taking you know taking two three full work days just to find one song for a couple you know it's just a it's just a lot of work so and what what how do you find the music is it I mean in terms of you know copyright and all that stuff how, how do you yeah that's you know that's such a hot topic among wedding filmmakers these days and um i used to use whatever i wanted and i thought that you know it doesn't matter i'm just gonna use whatever i wanted and there there were a few lawsuits that hit kind of close to home um not me necessarily but just seeing other wedding filmmakers who i know um dealing with legal issues because the music that they picked so i decided last year was my first full year that every song is is licensed um, and what was hard early on about that was it was so expensive to get the good music and the affordable stuff for the wedding budgets that most wedding filmmakers are working with. It was just tiny libraries of the same type of bad music. And I think with my background in music, it was so music is so important to me. It, it'll make or break a film. And so there are better libraries now, and there's a small handful of websites that are really growing and, and give you access to new, fresh mm-hmm 
different types of music for a nominal fee. So it's gotten better in the last year, but I decided that it was, you know, kind of drew a line in the sand and said, even though, even though this is going to be harder, it's harder for me to find good music now. And I would say there's been a few times where the product has suffered because here's on one hand, the song that just, again, the feel, I get a feeling like this song is so perfect for this couple. But if I cut this film and I put it online, I, I could get in trouble. And if it's on my website, it's, it's, um, constituted as marketing and so they can come after you um for marketing budget type of legal things and it just it can be messy so uh i you know i I don't know i don't know how long i could get away with it and it's weird too with a background in music as i used to be a full-time musician that for a while i was okay just using songs because i felt you know there were some videos that were getting viral and getting a lot of plays online I always got questions, what song is that? And people would go buy it. And there was a part of me that felt like, hey, I'm, I'm like helping the artist here. Why would they, <laughs> why would their legal team turn around and, and sue me for using this? But yeah. I get that the films that I make are so influenced by the music. And so it really is important to value the people who made that music because they're a huge part in what the film ends up being. So yeah, so I I license all the music now and just kind of make sure that that's a non-negotiable thing in my creative process. You seem like a pretty honest guy, straight shooter. (laughs) Where where does the name, where does your company name come from? How did you pronounce it? Yeah, Valair. I think I say it really wrong, to be honest. Um, time I've spent in Europe and doing workshops, I get made fun of a lot. I think I say it very much like an American. Um, it's a Latin word, and it actually means to cover. So it'd be like a veil on the face. Um, and that sort of has a, a dual meaning of um, like to cover an, a story, you know, like a news story, you'd cover a story. Uh-huh. Uh, so kind of thought it was a, a nice combination of those two things. Um and I think the technical pronunciation, which I feel so pretentious when I say it, is like uh, Valera, uh-huh. um, but I say Valer, and it's really American, and I get made fun of a lot. Because but... it, it does have kind of a meaning in Swedish, actually, um, oh. <laughs> which I tried to I tried to like Google um, how to say uh, in Swedish. We would say via lara, which is like a person who via la. And to viala is to, well, it, Google says dilly dally, which <laughs> seems a little bit weird, which I wouldn't go with that. But uh, someone who, who, when you viala, it means you're going back and forth on something a lot. You're a person who, okay, okay so like a vialara, like that, that exact spelling is a person who, you know, these people who just can never really decide, do I want this or do I want that? Mm, I don't know. I, indecisive. Man. It sounds so much better when you say it. And here's the thing, that really describes me because I'm a very indecisive person. Really? Maybe there's some sort of subconscious reason that that means that because I'm always always back and forth. (laughs) Especially with with the wedding business and, and my sort of path with that, I feel like I have a new change in direction almost daily uh, my team is always giving me a hard time because i'll have days where i'm like i quit i can't do wedding films anymore this is too hard this is too much work and then the next day i come in and i'm like so inspired i'm like guys i have this new idea i want to do this thing and i i, I seem to not stay on, on one path for a very long time so 
maybe very appropriate maybe then. <laughs> but it you, does sound so much better when you say it than when Vialara. i say it <laughs> well i don't know about that Vialara. it's uh yeah i just thought that was funny because every time i saw that i was like hmm the indecisive tim <laughs> yeah oh man the indecisive tim it's so true when i was branding you know there's so everyone was sort of doing like um so-and-so wedding films or like there was always kind of a tagline and i i I was just really drawn to brands that were just kind of like one word. And yeah. I, there's, I mean, kind of a parallel with music too. My favorite band names, you know, it's like the name doesn't make the band. The band sort of makes the name. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was kind of just like, it was like naming a band when you name a business, you know, it's like, what am I going to call this? And you worry about what people are going to think, but then you kind of just pick one thing. And just after a while, what you do sort of defines the name instead of yeah. vice versa. Yeah. But that's nice. No, I like the name. No, no criticism at all. It's just curious where it came from. And you spoke about having like a team now. Who are, who are these team members? These team members. Speak? Yeah. I have um, basically two guys who work with me full time. Um, that's been another challenge. Um, I started the brand kind of just solo, just doing kind of me. And, um, I started to, I had so many inquiries that I could only take so much. And I started to see really amazing weddings kind of slip through the net because I was on a trip or, or busy doing something else. And, um, the first time I actually ever did this was, um, with Jonas Peterson, who's a good friend. Um, and he refers me a lot, which is a huge blessing, but he had referred me to a, a wedding in Bali and I was already booked in Costa Rica. So I was kind of bummed and I said no. And about a month later, kind of the business wheels were turning and I was like, you know what? I, I think my films are really defined in post-production through editing. And I have these guys who've been second shooting for me a lot. Maybe I can send them to go shoot this wedding and I'll be at this other wedding in Costa Rica and, you know, we can still take a great wedding a portfolio wedding and 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 see how it goes and yeah there was a learning curve there there were like it really went amazing sometimes and other times it, it did not go so well because i you know i put so much of me into the films again whole, like i can't it's hard for me to like communicate like yeah. no you, you need to do it this way obvious that like yeah yeah what why weren't you, do, you right but... there right then why didn't you do this yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, some some swings and some misses and some home runs and so it's been a, a few years of, of just journeying on that process and um, the ups and downs of that and so I really enjoy collaboration and I love teamwork and it's it gets really lonely doing this all by myself and so yeah I have a couple of guys who consistently travel with me for weddings and help in post-production and sometimes they take their own weddings now and um do, yeah, sorry, I didn't. Oh, oh, yeah. oh no, 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 go ahead. Do, do you enjoy the like leadership role in that? Mm, very much so. I really do, and and I really have enjoyed putting a different hat on sometimes when I when I can kind of coach someone through a film. Yeah. Um, so, so I do. I, I very much enjoy that. Again, it's it's hard because sometimes you just want to take the reins and just do it yourself. It's hard to delegate and, and let go of control, yeah. knowing that sometimes they're gonna like crash and burn and I, I guess there's probably so many parallels with that with parenting you know you like don't want to let your kid venture out on their own but you know they're gonna have some failures but that's how they're gonna learn and get even better I had so many failures in wedding films and I think it helped me get to where I am today um so what but yeah kind of, but it's, oh go ahead yeah so, so what kind of like I mean what kind of boss would you say that you are oh man 
It's so funny. Well, no, let, I, instead of answering that, what would they say? These guys uh, that you collaborate with. <laughs> I'm I'm really picky and really particular, and I. I, I think that I thought I was just a real nice, easygoing guy, and then I started collaborating creatively, and I realized that I'm very opinionated, <laughs> and so I, I've had to learn how to balance that and not just be like, no, don't do that. Do this. Like, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah, I, I was on some shoot, and someone had asked, my, uh, my brother-in-law happened to be, he was visiting, so he wanted to come on set. This is actually a commercial thing. I do some commercial work, but he had asked. Um, one of my assistant editors, what kind of boss I was. And he kind of got that, that response, like good boss, but very particular. And I was like, oh man. It's <laughs> uh, not necessarily bad. Yeah, I just, I, I like what I like, you know, I know what I like and I know what I don't like. And, and I guess I can be kind of snobbish that way, but I think that's what's helped in, in wedding films. When I started making wedding films, I did not like 99% of what I saw. And so I thought, I'm just going to make, what I like and the first wedding film that I, I did for free for a friend. Um, I kind of just made something I liked and it, it wasn't like any type of wedding film that I had ever seen. And that sort of, um, got picked up online and it kind of went viral and, and sort of started my business without really knowing that I was about to start a, a, a wedding film business. Yeah. Um, cause I'm just, I just in particular, I guess. That's what's going on. But now you do you feel like you're more more conscientious of where you're headed. It sounds like so you're married now. Do you have kids too? Or I do. Yeah, you do. Uh -huh. I, I have two kids. I have a, a three year old daughter and a seven month old daughter. Um, wow. And, uh, I love I love being a dad to girls. It's the best. Um, but yeah, I think that that's. I think it's been the turning thirty and having two kids now that it's it is more of a long term. Yeah. What, what am I doing? And I think the wedding industry is an industry based on trends and nobody wants the like 50 year old guy at their wedding making their wedding film. So, so like, what am I, what am I doing with this? And so shifting my gears a little bit to focusing on training up some younger guys and, and, and trying to grow a brand that, that makes yeah. high quality wedding films instead of just Tim, instead of just me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. Definitely, Building uh, like a conglomerate. No, I don't even know what that really means. Conglomerate, but just an <laughs> empire. <laughs> yes, the wedding film empire. So when that's you are goal. fifty, you'll be just like twirling a mustache <laughs> yeah. somewhere, just like yep. <laughs> sitting on my gold throne, watching all these wedding filmmakers do all the work just while I get paid. Account info, just like the money. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, which is like horrible for someone who gets into it for the crap. I mean, because you love the music and you love yeah. images that's like probably not what you get excited about the thought of like not doing the films anymore no you know, when <laughs> someone's like hey i have a great business idea you know outsource everything and just you know and then like you'll just bank on it and you're like i you're like but wait then i'm not doing what i love yeah it's really super counterintuitive to me and, and i don't get that sometimes and, and i think some people that's really natural for them yeah um so it's still a journey i'm still trying to figure out what that looks like and like i said every other day i'll come in the office and either be like really excited and have an idea of how we can <laughs> like take good steps forward and then other days i come in with my head hung low and just 
want to quit. And it's usually when I've been looking for a song for like a week for a film and I just can't find the right song and I just throw my hands in the air and I say it's time it's time to quit. <laughs> yeah, that's it. This song broke me. This film broke me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever look at your girls like just in real life and like kind of imagine that it is a film going on? Like do you do you have that like kind of weird professional yeah, thing yeah just like... I think the I think the only time in, in real life when I think it's a film is usually comic situations yeah. I love jump cuts in like comedy where it like someone will say something and then it'll jump ahead like to the next day or like to something they said and so that always happens to me someone will say something and I'll just imagine what that would look like in a film when it just jumps to the scenario <laughs> they're talking about I don't know if that makes sense but uh no, with my girls no I, I guess I mean, yeah. do you film them a lot, or do you do any of what you do professionally, like on mm-hmm. private? I don't. No, no. really. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not. A, I like to compartmentalize things. I think, and like my work is is my work, and it, it doesn't define me. It doesn't define who I am. Um, you know, if I died in a plane crash on my way to or from Rome to way up north, like I, I don't think they would put on my tombstone like Tim Twynham, what a great wedding filmmaker. Oh my god, what a hor- like what do you say? <laughs> take take what well, you have to say something to make not make that happen. God forbid, or what do people? Oh say? yeah, like, not gonna work. Not gonna work. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, horrible, horrible, horrible. Analogy. Yeah, but um, I I don't want my work to define me. And so when when we had my first daughter, I, I really wanted to make a film. But I felt like at the time I was shooting on Canon cameras and I had, I think the, I think I just got the Mark III at the time. Um, I, to shoot with it when my daughter's being born just felt like work to me, like having that camera in my hand. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I actually shot Super 8 old film of my daughter being born and it just felt more like my, is my, is like me space. Uh-huh. It was kind of like protecting that for me and my daughter and my family and like this isn't work for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I genuinely love what I do. Um, but again, it's not me. There's, there's a time where, you know, the clock hits and I can turn the computers off and go home and, and express myself creatively with my daughters, like in painting or, or playing. My daughter has a drum set, my three-year-old and just bangs on, but she loves, and I, I love that. And I, to me that now being in a, a rhythm of a career that's doing something creative, it's not my creative outlet. Yeah. And so um, at times there definitely are those magic, those like really happy moments where you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this person paid me to make this, like whether it's a, a wedding or, or a commercial film. And those moments are really great. But at the end of the day, it's a, it's a job and a paycheck. They're and so how, yeah. what am I doing? With so yeah, I don't, I feel I'm, the camera I use most often with my daughters and my is my phone and I yeah. record a ton of video on it. I, I like having video of them. It's fun to watch. But it just would feel too much like work yeah. if I had my work cameras in my hand. <laughs> so what's your, like, what what do your weeks look like then? I bet you're you're traveling a lot for the weekends then, assuming that weddings are on the on the weekend? Yeah. Um, I've tried to slow that down. I travel less. Um, after, you know, especially after having my sick, second daughter, my sixth daughter. No, I do not have a sixth daughter. <laughs> my second daughter. Um, Wait, that can we cut forward to like now? What did you call that? A See, jump? That's exactly it. You totally did it. That is the perfect moment to do <laughs> that. Like, like jump like, cut. Six to, baby. Like, Tim, like even less hair than I have now. 
bloodshot eyes and like six girls screaming around me. <laughs> yeah, yeah like totally. The sixth newborn you get, in you your get arms. it. So you'd be a good video editor for a, a sitcom. Um, Can I, if I could just do like a one-on-one session with you, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I try to. I've really tried to slow down the travel. Um, with our first, it was really hard. I don't like being gone um, from her, and um, it's it's hard. It's really hard, and. Yeah. This last, I was at a speaking at a conference in Brooklyn this last fall, and my daughter was almost, I guess, like two and a half at that point, and I, I Facetimed with her, and she was just crying. She just missed daddy, and it just like, just like rips my heart in half. And you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, what's more important, like my career aspirations or my daughters, and being a, a dad to them that's present and that's in their life, and so that's really important to me. So. Um, I'll get all emotional talking about it, but, uh, okay. but yeah, so for me, it's really trying to travel less yeah. and it's hard because I, I do think that this career, this industry really value, like there's a lot of value in destination weddings and, yeah. I, and I, I've done that. I've shot weddings all over. And at the end of the day, it's like, man, because when I shoot the wedding too, I'll shoot for like three days. Um, it's not just a one day thing for me because getting scenery is so important. Yeah. I um, noticed that. Films yeah. And, you know, time lapses and things. So I'll spend three, sometimes four days in a country like filming and, you know, maybe an extra day on the front end to kick jet lag and maybe one day on the back end to be a tourist a little bit to sort of enjoy some benefit of of traveling across the world. But so to go shoot a wedding for me is is a week. I'm going to be gone for, for one wedding film. And so they got to be a point where it was like, this is too much. And yeah. so just trying to find, I have the travel bug. I love to travel. Um, if I had a calendar year ahead of me with no like destination weddings or no trips, it would be probably a little bit depressing because I really do enjoy it. But I have, for me, my priorities have, have changed a little bit. So that means even trying to get more weddings in my home state, I kind of crossed the point. My portfolio is all destination. And it was actually really hard to even book weddings in Colorado because I hadn't built relationships here um, with planners, photographers, and at, I wasn't even hardly shooting in Colorado anymore. So trying to do some at home um, where I can go up for one night or two nights and come back or even do something in Denver, you know, where I live so I can go home and sleep in my own bed at night nice. um, and, and wake up the next morning and play with my daughter. Um, so yeah, still striving to find that balance. And that, that's again, what will affect me coming in to work and being like, guys, I quit. <laughs> or guys, here's this new idea. Let's do this. You know, and I'm such like, a, how like, I'm totally, I'm totally that person. Say yeah. that how in Swedish. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. Cause that's I'm like, me. no, I got to go travel more and do build my portfolio. And I'm like, no, I have to stop. I need to hang out with my daughters. And, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I totally get that. I mean, there, and I have a three-year-old daughter too. I had, and two oh, sons. Awesome. But that age is just, they can just, you know, we're like wrapped around their little finger because they just want to, what things that they say are just, I mean, heart-wrenching. <laughs> yeah, like, If they're like, but, you know, you see that look in their eye, like, are you go? Are you leaving? And then yeah. you're just like, just, yeah, I am sorry. Yeah. I have to go. <laughs> so what are your daughter's names? Uh, my oldest is Francis. We oh. call her Francie. And my youngest is uh, Meta, which is Meta. M-E-T-T-E. Yeah, it's oh, a, that's beautiful. a Danish, Danish name. So, Is your wife Danish? 
No, uh, uh-uh, no. No, no so we, we just don't like that. <laughs> yeah. M e t t a. T t e. Oh, Mette. Yeah, yeah, we have that yeah. name. For us, it's kind of like a Norwegian name, Mette. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And are you? Do you ever bring them, or like, would you bring them to something like way up north, or is that? Yeah. So it's funny when Jakob and Cole first asked me. Um, the original kind of the way I thought it out was to bring them. Um, yeah. And I've had a couple trips with them, like uh, domestically within the United States for weddings, and it's it was a challenge. You yeah. know, I feel like I'm I'm not being a very good husband and a help because I'm working, and then I feel like I'm not being a great wedding filmmaker because I'm yeah. distracted to go like help. So we just decided this season of life is for me to go and work and and do that and come home. But I really hope that as I get older. I would love to bring them. Oh my goodness. I want to teach them that the world is a big place full of really amazing kind people. And, um, you know, it's the political environment in the United States right now. I want my daughters to travel a lot. And so, yeah, it's the seven month old. He has a little bit of a challenge right now (laughs) and the whole sleep department. Um, yeah, but, but I think, I think real soon we really want to bring them along. And yeah. my wife and I used to, a destination wedding, she would come with me all the time before we had kids. Oh, it's um, nice. Just like such, such amazing memories of those trips. I bet. And yeah. So we, we didn't want, we don't want to stop doing that because we're parents now. But practically, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> a little bit of a break. Flying yeah. with small kids, yeah. Not the best activity ever. And yeah. how, how did you meet your wife? I'm just curious. Uh, so it was in Nashville. I was a barista at a coffee shop and she was a customer and I was like, Hey baby, how's it going? <laughs> You're like, actually that's you... not true. I wasn't that smooth at all. I'm not smooth with the ladies. I never was. Uh, it took me like six months to get up the courage to talk to her. It did. Uh, and then to come to find out that whole six months, she was only coming in the coffee shop because I was working there, but neither of us were really good at like, you know, going for it. So it took a while, but eventually it happened. So sweet. And all that time you had been making her cappuccinos like extra frothy and she was like not catching the drift. (laughs) I was probably making them really bad because I was very distracted because she was in there. So I probably wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. You're like, she was like, this is world's worst barista. This coffee tastes horrible. And you're like, she uh, keeps coming back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's really sweet. You didn't even know what her name was or were you just kind of like, Oh no, uh, no, I didn't. You know, eventually like slowly trying to like talk to her and everyone I worked with knew that I liked her. So they kept encouraging me to talk to her. Every time she came in, they're like, Tim, there she is. Here oh, they would is. make they would make me like even if I was in the back doing something, they would make me like come out and make her drink. And oh, they all, that is so they, cute. They were, they were on it, but yeah, <laughs> not not the smoothest. But hey, I I locked her down, and she is the best. And I, I do you locked love her my... down? That's for sure. And now she has no way of getting out. She's like nope. <laughs> there, yeah. two yeah. little girls. Yep. Oh, what a good sport. Well, I can I can see you're quite the charmer, so I'm sure she got a good deal too. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but this is going to be this is so nice. I really enjoyed looking at your website actually, and cause oh, I'm going to try to not to like I shouldn't even be saying this, but I'm I'm super interested in trying to make some some little like learning a little bit just for my yeah. own sake oh yeah so I was like looking for some inspiration and I was like this is so cool I yeah oh, it was yeah. I loved it's, it's how fun. you you could just like 
uh, I don't know. It, it's a totally different way of thinking the way you film things like details or things that like would kind of not have anything to do with the wedding, but that you mm. tie in somehow. I mean, that's super interesting. So, hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun. Like I said, I love the editing. I love shooting always stresses me out a bit. Like I've had the, I wasn't that great at it when I started. I was definitely more creative in editing, but because I've done so much of it now over the years, like I feel like I've really learned um, how I like things shot so that when I sit at a computer to edit, then I have a toolbox full of lots of tools to choose from. Right. Um, you can be like, I need something slow or I need something kind of panning or is that how you think? When yeah. You're yeah, like, totally. Wanna... Yeah. You know, it's like, doing an audio edit first and then sort of piecing together the story on top of that. Um, yes. I mean, all that is to say with you saying that you're interested, that I th I love it. I think there's something fun. I love still images. I love taking photos. Um, but there is that like creative sort of process of like the moving images. It's just such a different dynamic when you have to think of moving images, like are the, is the subject moving? Is the camera moving? And then you have the whole other level that's that is audio, and that's just a whole another craft in and of itself. Um, I think, which is why I'll probably never do it because I just <laughs> how do you ever master that? But it like does suck you in in a different way mm. than with stills yeah. because with stills you're still kind of stop and then changing, and with film you're like you're sucked into it, and you're kind of like if something is good, you get sucked in and then you just come out on the other side and you're like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. They say with audio is kind of like breaking the fourth wall. So you have to the four walls of the, of the, of an image or a movie screen yeah. or whatever with audio, you kind of, you break that fourth wall into sort of a different dimension of, of someone's sensory and the way there you can say so much with audio um, yeah. that you don't have to say visually. So you know, for me, editing is always like, like taking out things because I, I don't have to show everything in order for the viewer. People are smart. And so they'll get what I'm trying to say in less images. Yeah. Um, especially when there's the audio to sort of support that. So yeah. right, I get that. That's so cool. Well, this was such a pleasure. You yeah, were so this easy awesome. to talk to. <laughs> oh, jeez. Thanks. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so let's see. It's what, Tuesday? What do you have planned for the rest of the day now? Tuesday, 3 p.m., hanging out with my girls. Yeah? We are, yeah, I think going to go on a little bike ride. It's been really cold because this winter, but today is actually a nice day. So nice. I think we're going to bust, bust the bikes out, and uh, my three-year-old is loving her bike right now. So Is it like yeah, one of those uh, without pedals? Yeah. yeah, she kind of like walks on the ground, yeah. strider. She loves it. So That's so cool. Yeah. Colorado's yeah, beautiful, so I bet you have, a, you know, lots of places to pick from. We love it. That's why we moved back here after living in the south in Nashville. It's very hot and humid, and Colorado's beautiful and crisp, and we're pretty close to the mountains. And, Gorgeous. Yeah, it's good. And so you're trying to you're trying to bury your heads in the sand for the political situation. I won't go, I won't go into it, but I just know that I've <laughs> You're been not going to ask me who I voted for. I'm just um, kidding. No, I won't ask, but um, I know it's, that. Yeah. It's a mess and it's an interesting time to be an American. And it's very sad because I have friends all over the world and it's very unfortunate how our country is perceived by people right now. And it's just constantly trying to, like tell people like not everyone is like this in America. Like, that nice point, like okay, when Trump was elected, I think people were like, "Oh my God, Americans, you know, 
what have you done? And then now I'm, it's pretty clear that not everyone thinks that way. I mean, it's very clear. If you yeah. have any sense, if you have any idea of what's going on, you, you know, you can't not see all the protesters and, and all that's going on. So don't worry about that. We get it. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. And, and my wife and I, and we talk about it a lot with our girls. See, like I said, we want to travel. We want them to see that the world is a big place full of amazing people. But even like in our neighborhood, we're like, okay, for a long time, I'll get, you said we weren't going to talk politics, but for a long time, you know, it's able to like agree with what your country stands for and just kind of be passive about engaging with people who are different than you. And for now is the time to sort of no, no, no. I need to engage with people who are different than me and love people who are different than me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's really important because the tables are kind of turned against, yeah. against me already. And so you have to be a little more active and so yeah, we're seeking ways of just being good citizens and, and loving people on the street that we live in and in our state and yeah, in, and, the, and your the girls, and, they only care what you do so far. I mean, at, at this yeah. point, they're still, you're still like just there, whatever. Everything you do yeah. is, is really important. So that's good. Being a good role model. We took my yeah, my oldest when she was just about one. I had a wedding in New York and we brought her and it was a little bit crazy to bring a one-year-old to New York City. And But we were walking around and she just, she smiles at everyone. She's that kind of kid who will like stare at someone until they look at her. And it was just fun to see like grumpy New Yorkers on the subway with their headphones in, like kind of glance at her and then just get big, huge grins on their face. Yeah, like so how like could you not smile? <laughs> it's, in, it's like inherent in them to just love people and we're like, yes, keep loving people, please. Yeah. And so, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm sure they're just gorgeous human beings, um, both of them. So awesome well give them my best and uh, well, have a great day and hopefully thank you. we'll catch up in in rome in a few weeks yes yeah thanks for chatting i hope i had something to say <laughs> yeah you certainly did no this was fun it just flew by an hour flew by Zip-by. So, yeah all right all thanks right. again Tim. well thank you yeah talk okay. to you later all right bye Hi, this is Brooke DeVard from Naked Beauty. Are you tired of feeling housebound? I sure am. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. It's a high-performance auto curler that's rechargeable and gives you up to 60 minutes of cord-free runtime. Just think of all of the incredible hair looks you can create in 60 minutes, unbound, away from your wall. Don't get tied down by cords. Love your look, live unbound. Check it out at conair.com and search unbound. 